We're looking at week five, Appraising and Loving God is the sermon title for this week, Praising and Loving God. And in this sermon, which is another series uh, in the series, Key to Spiritual Growth, we're looking at two more keys to help us grow spiritually. And those keys are from the foundational text, 2 Peter 3.18, but grow in grace and the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, to him be glory both now and forever. Amen. So that's where we start from. Several years ago, I received a newsletter from John MacArthur and um, Pastor uh, Grace Community Church in Panorama City, California. I've listened to him for a number of years, and I'm on his mailing list, and I've gotten sermons and stuff. But I get a, a, you know, a newsletter from them. And, and in it, he wrote this. Several summers ago, I took three months sabbatical from Grace Community Church. During the time, I wondered if I should pastor another church. Because I kept asking myself, how can I keep teaching the same things to these people, same people? Because he had been there for decades, uh, there in Panorama City. As my family and I traveled across the country, people asked us Bible questions everywhere I went. I was amazed because they were all asking the same questions. They wanted to know basic spiritual truths. At the same time, I searched vigorously in my Bible for new sermon material, yet everything I read sounded like the same simple truths, only in different words. God used that to teach me something important. The Christian life is not merely a quest for something new, but also a matter of remembering the Lord's established truths and remaining faithful to them. John MacArthur went on to say, that the Lord impressed him the need to periodically review and teach biblical truths that they should be vitally active in every Christian's life. And that's why we look at something like this, a series of how to grow spiritually, even though we'll look at a text today. Uh, I didn't plan it this way. Uh, initially, when I had all the, <laughs> the stuff morning and evening planned out, I didn't know they'd fall on the same week. But uh, we looked at a passage we're going to look at a little bit later here Sunday. It's like, well, what do you know? Uh, God must want us to look at it. I didn't plan it, you know, so I just went with that. Uh, but this is, I think, consistent with the scriptures, what MacArthur was saying and what we're doing. And I think you find it in Second Peter 1, 12, and 13. So I will always remind you of these things, even though you know them and are firmly established in the truth you now have. I think it is right to refresh your memory as long as I live in the tent of this body. And so you've got Peter saying the same thing. Uh, even though we all know this stuff, I love to tell the story. <laughs> you know, that's, that's simple, but it's true. And that's why I'm taking you through this series. And so tonight... Uh, let's look at two more keys that will help us grow spiritually, and they are praising God and loving God. Number one, praising God. First, I think there's a key to spiritual growth is praising God. I don't believe that a Christian can grow unless his or her life is characterized by praise. It can't grow. I don't think it can. In Psalm 50, 23, we read these words, Whoever offers praise glorifies me. If you want to glorify God, Praise him. Praise him. It's a, it's a simple thing, it's, and it's a simple path to growth that we praise God and we understand who he is and it helps us in our growth. Proud people don't praise God. They'll let you know how they did something. 
how they accomplished something. They'll, even at church, they'll want to tell you how they accomplished it so you would tell them, you know, pat on the back, good for you. Uh, you see those people, you know, in meetings and in uh, events where they want to tell you what's going on in their life, and it always seems like they accomplished something rather than saying, let me tell you what a good thing God did in my life this week. Uh, you see that, unfortunately. Proud people don't praise God. They are consumed with themselves. But humble people, people who are captured by the grace of God, they are in awe of him and praise pours out every area of their life. If we want to honor God, we need to praise him. Let me some examples of, of that in Psalms. Let me draw your attention to examples of the Psalms. Praise is so much a part of God's pattern to his people that he gave us a hymn book. You know, we, we, I was thinking about the unique nature of Christianity in that we have a series of hymns that we sing. Not every religion does that. Some of them have chants. They may have prayers. But not every religion sings in their worship services. We do. And we have a compendium, if you will, of songs that we sing that remind us of the goodness of God. That's how we praise him. But in the, in the Bible, we have a hymn book, the Psalms. Uh, they are poems, they are songs, and they are sung, they are spoken, and they were sung and spoken to the people of Israel. As a reminder of the goodness of God, God wanted them to constantly offer him praise, and so in his word, he included the Psalms. Listen to what Psalms 86, 9 through 10 says. All the nations you have made will come and worship you, O Lord. They will bring glory to your name, for they are great and do marvelous deeds. For you are great and do marvelous deeds. You alone are God. I will praise you, O my God, with all my heart. I will glorify your name forever. Praising God is equated with giving him glory in that text and throughout the Bible. So that's a good way to give God glory, and we're asked to do that. We're told to glorify God, magnify God, and the way we do that is through praise. I want to look at some aspects of praise. What exactly does it mean to praise God? Some think it, it's singing a song. If I sing a song, I praise God. Some people think it's saying something like, praise the Lord or hallelujah. Some people think it's raising your hands or waving them in the air. Some people think it's a silent prayer. What is the right answer? How do we praise the Lord? According to the Bible, I think that there are three aspects, three different ways in which we praise God. Number one, true praise involves reciting God's attributes. Praise expresses the character of God. I talk about who he is. Some people study the New Testament almost exclusively. It reveals many truths that were mysteries in the past. But one great reason to study, I believe, the Old Testament is so that it powerfully reveals the character of God, who he is. And when I do that, I establish a, a, a platform from which to praise him. 
but I know who, who he was because of what he's done. He revealed himself in the Old Testament as God in specific ways, and I review that, and I praise him for that. I'll give you an example. Habakkuk, uh, a book in the Old Testament, gives us some insight to the character of God. In Habakkuk, he is called holy. He's called almighty. He's called everlasting. He's called a covenant-keeping God. And so you read through the book of Habakkuk and you see that, especially Habakkuk 1, 12, and 13, uh, that gives us the initial praise of who God is, at least in Habakkuk's eyes. And why did he do that? I, I think it solved a problem in Habakkuk's heart for what he was dealing with. If you know the book, the Chaldeans were sent to judge them by conquering them. And and he couldn't understand why that was happening. Why would God send the evil Chaldeans to judge and conquer us? What did we do? And, and of course, Habakkuk, through his prayers and, and a motivation to talk about God, wanted God to revive his people and, and bring them back to restore them. But they had overstepped the limit of God's patience. My spirit didn't always strive with man's spirit. It to be a point where God says, enough, and he judges. So in the middle of this confusion, though, Habakkuk remembered some things about the character of God. One of the things he remembered that God was holy. If God is holy, he doesn't make mistakes. If God is truly holy, he doesn't make mistakes. So whatever they were going through was not a mistake. God was in control. He remembered that God was a covenant-keeping God. And if God is a covenant-keeping God, he doesn't break his promises. Habakkuk knew the promises for Israel and believed that they would restore eventually. Now, when that would be, he didn't know, but he knew that it would happen. Habakkuk remembered that God is eternal. And as eternal, he's outside the flow and the flux of history. So what affects me immediately is one thing. But God has another plan. I'm part of that plan. I'm not the plan. We forget that. That God's outside of our history, and God does what he wants to and why he does it. And because of that, Habakkuk could say, the righteous live by faith. And he learned that. And he learned it because of the character of God. He knew that God was strong enough to deal with any situations. So instead of worrying, we, along with Habakkuk, about problems we cannot solve, and they all have them, we have to say the Lord is bigger than history. He's bigger than what's everything around me. He's bigger than the universe. He's bigger than the problems that I have. And I just have to believe that you're going to take care of us, God, just like you take care of the grass of the field flowers, everything else. I have to believe that the promises of your character will live themselves out in my life. I've never seen my people forsaken. I have to believe that, right? And that's what helps get me through. Second, true praise involves reciting God's works. God's attributes are displayed in his works. We know his character, but how does he act? The works of God. After evaluating his problem, Habakkuk began to praise God uh, for his works. 
trembling power that God had and displayed before them. He could rejoice even if the Lord had everything crumble around him. Why? Because God had proved himself in the past. I believe what God will do because of what God has done. If you have a problem you're facing and you don't know how to solve it, remember to praise God and say to him, Lord, you are the God that put the stars and the planets in place, his acts, his works. You're the one that separated the the land from the water. You made everything that lives. And although man fell, you planned for his redemption. God can handle it. God that carved out a nation for himself will not forget his people. We pray for Israel continuously. Nor will he forget you. Remember. He wrote the law on tablets. He drowned the Pharaoh's army. He he divided the waters. He can do anything. We need to remember his past actions and praise those. Thirdly, true praise involves giving thanks for God's attributes and his works. At the heart of of praise is thanksgiving. We're going to celebrate that this month. In Luke 17, Jesus tells uh, he was going into a village and there were ten men who had leprosy met him. They stood at a distance and called out with a loud voice, Jesus, Master, have pity on us. And when he saw them, he said, go show yourself to the priests. According to Mosaic law, a leper uh, had to uh, return to society only after the priest had said, you're clean. Now you can go back in society. Until then, he wasn't in remission, no matter what he looked like. Priest had to approve it. And so they did that. They went their way, verse 14 in Luke 17 says. And, and they took the step of faith, didn't they? He didn't say you're, you're healed. He said go. And they took that step, and on the way they were healed. One of them, when he saw that he was healed, came back, praising God in a loud voice, and he threw himself at Jesus' feet and thanked him, and he was a Samaritan. You know the significance of that, obviously. Uh, They were seen as half-breeds, less than human. They were looked down upon. Uh, You walked around Samaria. You never left things in open that Samaritans could touch because they'd defile it. All those things were in the Jewish mind. And yet, this is the one that comes back and thanks Jesus. And Jesus says in 17 and 19 of chapter 17, We're not all ten cleansed. Where are the other nine? Was no one found to return to give praise to God except this foreigner? Then he said to him, rise and go. Your faith has made you well. Though all ten are physically healed, I believe only the Samaritan was redeemed. Because he came back to Jesus and fell at Jesus' feet. He recognized and thanked Jesus for what he'd done. It's really easy to forget God's attributes and his works. Sometimes we get caught up in our own mess. And it sure is easy to forget to thank him sometimes because we want something else or it didn't turn out like we wanted. There's a story of Mother Teresa. She spoke in 1994 at National Day of Prayer breakfast. She told a story about her and some other nuns and they were traveling in Calcutta. Uh, And one evening they picked up four individuals and if you know anything about India, if you know anything about Calcutta, you know how dirty it is in third world country. The sickness and the illness, it's not like you would see here. And so they're trying to minister to these individuals who are poor, dirty, and bereft of supplies. 
And she told the nuns, uh, let me take care of the worst one of these. You take the other three, and I'll take the worst one. And so it, she said, I did all I could do to love her. I put her in a bed. She had a beautiful smile on her face. She took hold of my hand and said two words. Thank you. And then she died. Mother Teresa said, I asked myself what I would say if I were in her place. I would have probably tried to draw attention to myself and my condition. I would have said, I'm hungry. I'm in pain. I'm dying. But she gave me much more. She gave me, Mother Teresa said, grateful love. Thank you. Of all that she could say at that moment, she said thank you. Gratitude brings a smile and becomes a gift. That lady died, Mother Teresa said, with a smile on her face. Man, does that not change the way you feel about praising God. I think it should. God's ministered his grace to us. Instead of calling attention to ourselves, we ought to call attention to God and thank him for all that he's done for us. Praising God gives him glory. No matter what happens in our lives, I think we should express praise and glory to God. No matter how hard things are, I think doing that enables us to grow spiritually. Second point, overall point, is loving God. I think the second key to spiritual growth is loving God. Love for God is not merely feeling, it's an action. Jesus said, if you love me, you will obey what I command, John 14, 15. If you love me, you'll obey me. Love is action. So loving God means obeying God. And, and if I could simplify uh, it would, down to one word, it just would be obedience. Love equals obedience. If I love God, I'll obey. It's not like the little girl I read about who, who, who defiantly continued to stand up and her father wanted her to sit down and he demanded that she sit down. If you do not sit down, I will spank you. The little girl sat down. She said, I may be sitting down outwardly, but inside I'm standing up. I think that's us sometimes. There's an outward obeying, but a disobeying in our heart. I think Christian ought to have a willingness to obey from the heart as well. With that in mind, I think we look at Christ's confrontation of Peter. John chapter 21 uh, talks about glorifying God by loving him enough to obey him. But before Peter could do that, his call to the ministry to be restored like we talked about Sunday, he had to be confronted by Jesus. This is the text I talked about that we had already gone over Sunday. We'll look at it quickly again. I didn't go through the words Sunday, so that is beneficial for us today. Do you remember the story that, that three times Jesus said, do you love me, do you love me, do you love me? And Peter said, you know I love you, you know I love you, you know I love you. We've shared it before, but I'll remind you again, the words that Peter used and Jesus used. Peter said, Peter, do you love me, agapao? Agapao, with a self-sacrificial love that puts me above everything else. Loves me in spite of everything. And Peter said, Lord, you know, I phileo, I love you like a friend. We get the word Philadelphia, city of brotherly love. 
from that word, phileo. Second time, Peter, do you love me with self-sacrificial love? Agapao. And he responds again, Lord, you know I love you, phileo, like a friend. A good friend, but like a friend. And then the last time, and this is the time where Peter uh, felt sorrowful because Jesus said the third time, not agapao, but do you even phileo me? Do you love me even like a good friend? Because the implication was you hadn't acted like it, right? And he, you know all things, you know my heart. And that's when Jesus talks about, yeah, I know, and you're going to be taken where you don't want to go. You're going you're gonna to live up to it, but let's talk about this restoring you to this place. The reason Peter was grieved that third time is because of that use of the word phileo instead of agapao. Like Peter, however, we do love him, but do we love him enough to obey him? Remember why Peter had gone back to fishing and that was the problem and that's why Jesus was talking to him. Jesus wanted Peter to understand. I think he didn't say, follow me and you will be successful. He didn't say that. Follow me and you'll have health. Follow me and you'll have wealth. Follow me and you'll have happiness. I think that's what some people preach. They have large auditoriums and they're on television. They write books. They, they go to talk shows. But Jesus wouldn't be comfortable in their church. That's not what he preached. And that's not what he told Peter. And that's not what he tells us. Jesus was not a health and wealth gospel person. What he was was a person who said, follow me even though it will cost you your life. That was Jesus. Peter looked at him and said, Lord, what about him? <laughs> now, this is human, isn't it? This focus is all on me, and I'm getting chewed out, and all of a sudden I go, what about David? You know, let's distract from Marty and talk about David for a little while. Well, that's what Peter did. And Jesus did not let him get away with that. He said in, in verses 21 and 22 there, if I want him to remain alive until I return, what is that to you? He basically says, it's not your business. He's not the problem, Peter. Your actions are the issue, not his. I can't divert my attention to someone else. God's dealing with me. God's dealing with you. He'll deal with you the way he'll deal with you. He'll deal with me the way he'll deal with me. And that's his prerogative. Jesus used this emphatic pronoun. You must follow me. Don't worry about him. You follow me. And I think that's what he says to us. The great news is, though, when we look at Peter's life, he did do that, didn't he? After all this was over with, Peter did follow Christ, and his life and ministry, which is recorded in the New Testament in Acts and following and the books that he wrote, bear that out. In Acts chapter 2, verses 14 through 47, we see Peter preaching a tremendous sermon in Jerusalem, and 3,000 people get saved. 
You remember going through that with me, I believe. Acts chapter 3, 1 through 8, he healed a lame person who jumped up and down in, in the temple and, and praised God for what had happened. In Acts 4, he confronted the Sanhedrin and he said these words, Salvation is found in no one else, for there is no one under the name of heaven given among men, whereby we must be saved. Write to them. He and John courageously said, Judge for yourselves whether it's right in God's sight to obey you or God. They stood up and they counted the costs and they said, doesn't matter. I will serve God. Peter was a shining light in the early days of the church in the New Testament. He did what Jesus asked. He followed him. You can too. You look through Peter's two letters and I think you see in those letters an expression of tremendous joy in following Jesus. It bears itself out. 2 Peter 1, 14 through 15. 2 Peter 1, 14 through 15 reads this way. Because I know that I will soon put it aside. He means his life. As the Lord Jesus has made it clear to me. Remember, they're going to take you where you don't want to go. You know, he, he, he remembered that. And I will make every effort to see that after my departure, you will always be able to remember these things. He wanted them to remember Jesus even after he died. And so not only did he follow, he set it up so that other people could follow as well. I think that goes to the testimony that Peter did what Jesus asked him to do. So we come to the end of this message, but not the series. And if you're a Christian and you want to grow, I think you'll want to love God. You know, brothers and sisters, you love God by obeying him. And when you obey him, you will love him and you will grow. What areas in your life need attention? What areas in your life do you need to grow? Some of these that are going to be listed up here may not affect you, but I talk to a lot of people and some of them affect a lot of people. It's unfortunate, but it's true. You may need to read God's word more. You would think Christians would do that. You may need to be honest in your business dealings. You would think Christians would do that. You may need to stop watching pornographic materials. You would think Christians would do that, but I've talked to many who don't. You may need to confess a sin to someone. I thought this, I said this, I did this. To you. You may need to spend time in prayer. You may need to stop wasting time. A number of years ago, I read the story of a pastor in a small church in rural Pennsylvania who decided to take the two hours that he watched television each night and begin to pray. Ask God what he wanted him to do. And so he did that. And it, it turned into a vision. And it turned into a vision for a group of New York gang kids. And he began to reach out to those brutal people who committed senseless murders. And he thrust himself in the middle of their lives. That pastor was David Wilkerson, who later became the pastor of Times Square Church in Manhattan and touched hundreds, if not thousands, of people in gang-related ministry. 
God used David Wilkerson's simple obedience to bring hardened gang members to the Lord. Nicky Cruz was one of those I've heard him preach in person before. He was a hoodlum. He was a gang member. But he came to know Jesus because David Wilkerson didn't waste two hours a night watching television. They started something called Teen Challenge that went nationwide. And the story of the cross and the switchblade, you may have watched that show a number of years ago. It's an incredible story of someone who took TV time, converted it to prayer time, and touched people's lives. He took the challenge from Jesus seriously to redeem time and to do something with it. Don't wait to obey God in the big things. Obey God in the little things. Two hours of television. Obey every command that you read in God's word. Some will say, well, where's the grace in that? Sounds kind of legalistic to me. You know, uh, you know I just got to follow this and do this. And Dr. Brian Chappelle, president of Covenant Theological Seminary in the past, said, in grace-oriented church, a grace-oriented church, it's important to remember that the rules don't change, but the reasons do. The reasons. In other words, we obey the rules of God not in order to earn his favor, but rather out of gratitude for his grace toward us. It didn't change the way we act. but changed the reason why we act. Old Testament, the Jews live up to the law be perfect can't be perfect we've now been made complete or perfect in christ and so i want to live differently the reason is different i know you want to grow spiritually i hope maybe by thinking about these two keys tonight you may be able to do that easier we pray with me father we come to you and thank you for your word and thank you how you help us to grow we do love you, and we do want to grow. Help us to see through Habakkuk and Peter tonight how to accomplish that and the reasons why we should. Because we love you, we praise you, and we thank you. In Jesus' name we ask it. Amen. Do you mind the list for the... Do uh, you have any prayer requests tonight that you want to list? I've got a couple. My mother-in-law has COVID. <laughs>